to No Baller. I am Chris Rawl. It is Wednesday, June 30th. On today's show, the injury bug is biting the NBA again and again and again. Before we get there, a gentle reminder, we have an app you can search for under the name The Beehive TV. It has all of our video and audio offerings that me and Weston are doing here with No Baller. Uh, and if you enjoy this show, please share it with your friends. Please get them to download the app. All that good stuff. We will start with a gambling tidbit, why gambling should be legal in Utah. Last night, game four of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA. I got props out the wazoo. The one that I'll hone in on for this specific point is Clint Capella's points plus rebounds plus assists. The line is set at 24, and I bet the under. Uh, And this game has a lot of wild swings that I'm going to get into on the other side. For the purpose of this bet... There's 5.30 to go in the game. The game is already out of hand. Atlanta's pounding on him. Capella gets a rebound. He gets an alley-oop dunk, and, and it's coming down to the wire, and I go, oh, no, he's got to be close. He's sitting at 23, one below the total. So any bucket will put him over. Any rebound or assist will put him on the push number. So now for the next two minutes in a 20-plus point blowout, before he gets subbed out, I'm sitting there sweating out Clint Capella doing nothing. I go, he can't get a rebound. He can't get assist. He can't score. This is crazy. And every possession, I'm just watching Clint Capella run around, set a screen, go for a rebound, not get it. Very intense experience. Uh, And thankfully for me, one that I end up winning because he subbed out with three and a half minutes to go. I cashed the bet. All is well on the Western front. Why gambling should be legal in Utah for today? Because it will always, always, always provide you with alternate ways to enjoy a sporting event. And now a word from our presenting sponsor, Traeger Grills. Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. Playoff luck is injury luck. On May 28th, I recorded an episode with that title. And the premise is pretty simple. You know, um, there are a lot of pieces that go into a championship puzzle for the team that ultimately wins the championship. And one of those pieces is injury luck. How healthy your team is and how healthy the opposition is that you're playing. Uh, And in most years, this is something that on a smaller scale is required to win a championship. You need good health for, most importantly, your stars, but your roster in general. And if the injury bug bites the opposition, you don't really make apologies for it. You say, this is just sometimes something that is required in order to win a championship. Within that episode, I referenced a lot of teams in the past, uh, in the NBA specifically, that as time goes on, we just kind of forget about for the most part because we acknowledge that Playoff luck is, in part, injury luck. I brought up the 2015 Warriors, the first year they won the championship. And they were a great team that year, deserved to win the championship. Nobody would argue otherwise. And part of that year, they had good health. They had good health in the playoffs. And in the NBA Finals, they played the Cleveland Cavaliers, who had LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love together for the first year. And by the time Game 1 was wrapping up, it was LeBron and nobody else. Kevin Love had separated his shoulder, Earlier in the playoffs, out. Kyrie Irving fractures his kneecap in game one, out. And that's part of the story. 
part of the way that you win a championship. Uh, you hope that it, that doesn't happen to you. You don't wish it on your opposition, but if it has to happen, you know, it can't happen to you. I also referenced the 2019 Raptors who trade for Kawhi Leonard. Great team, again, in their own right. But come NBA Finals time, they play the Golden State Warriors, who are just an absolute juggernaut. And I think everybody agrees, if fully healthy, there's no team within any of those years that they had Kevin Durant on the roster that could beat them in a series. And instead, the NBA Finals that year played out differently because Durant's out. He ends up tearing his Achilles in Game 5. Klay Thompson ends up blowing his knee out in Game 6. And that's part of the story. It's always part of the championship puzzle. Uh, and again, usually on a smaller scale. So that was a month and two days ago. And looking back on it, I kind of laugh in a very morbid and uh, dark humor way and think, man, how little did I know and did we in general know how much injuries were going to play a role in this year's playoffs? I went back for the purpose of this episode and just looked at the odds favorites in gambling at the start of the NBA playoffs, who was favored to win the NBA championship. And I pulled the top uh, eight teams. And I thought, man, this is pretty crazy how much of a role that injuries have played in shaping this year's championship chase. Right at the top of the list, Brooklyn Nets, odds on favorite to win the championship. And we know how their story unfolded. They make it to round two. They're playing the Bucks. James Harden pulls his hamstring at the very start of game one of that series. He's out until game five when he returns. Really ineffective and actually quite bad in game five. Pieced together a reasonable performance uh, in game six and seven, but just wasn't the James Harden we know that he can be. Kyrie Irving. Looks like the Nets are going to put away the series. Uh, and he rolls his ankle in Milwaukee. And now he's out for the last four games of that series. Still, hard-fought series. Goes down to overtime in Game 7, even with this roster that Brooklyn had. And injury luck and some basketball plays, they were on Milwaukee's side. So they triumph. Nets, odds on favor to win, gone. Next team on the list, Los Angeles Lakers. Had just an up-and-down season in their own right that injuries played a large role in. LeBron James, high ankle sprain in March against the Atlanta Hawks and Solomon Hill. He's out for over a month. He comes back at the very end of the regular season and for the play-in game uh, and does not look like himself physically. They're playing Phoenix in round one. They're up 2-1. They look like they're going to be able to take the series. Anthony Davis, their other superstar, uh, goes down with a groin injury. Doesn't come back. Uh, when he tries to in game six, he plays a couple minutes and leaves. That's it. Phoenix ends up winning the series in six games. Another contender fallen by the wayside in this year that has become a simple war of attrition. Next team on the list that is still alive in the playoffs, Los Angeles Clippers, who I record an entire episode about yesterday because say what you will about the Clippers in the past year and a half, but what they are doing right now without Kawhi Leonard who went down in the Utah series and is not playing in the Western Conference Finals, is damn impressive. Uh, the back's against the wall. Don't have your best player. They're still scratching and clawing and fighting tooth and nail to advance to the NBA Finals uh, with Game 6 looming tonight. 
Next team on the list, Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid misses games in the playoffs. Their best player. Uh, constantly battle this nagging, nagging knee injury. Uh, we don't know the full extent of what it is still in present day. We know it has something to do with his meniscus, but he looked hampered at times and, and indeed missed games within the playoffs. Again, playoff luck is injury luck. This year, more than any year I can ever remember. Next team on the list, hometown Utah Jazz, which I had a lot of high hopes for. I know a lot of people in this area had a lot of high hopes for. And two of their three best players uh, battled injuries throughout the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell, first and foremost, he sits game one against Memphis. Comes back, uh, rolls his ankle somewhat. Uh, he's battling that throughout the Clippers series. And Mike Conley, who plays awesome in the Memphis series, carries a lot of the weight with Mitchell gone or hampered. And then he has his hamstring pop in game five of round one. He's out for the first five games of the Clippers series. He comes back in game six. And much like Harden in that Brooklyn series, he's kind of a shell of himself. He's floating around. He's not really going full throttle, uh, in the Jazz bow out to a Clippers team that had just lost Kawhi Leonard for the last two games. Mitchell's hobbling around. He's getting carted out, or not carted out. He's getting helped out at one point. And a, a continual talking point of that series is just, what percentage is Mitchell playing at? Is he playing? What can he do uh, on that ankle? When is Conley coming back? These are all part of this year's playoff narrative. Playoff luck is injury luck. The next team on the list, the Milwaukee Bucks, who, if you had recorded this episode before game four, I would have said, this is the healthiest team in the playoffs. Uh, and this is a team that has been able to take advantage of injury luck. Uh, and after last night, as I will get into, that is no longer the case. Phoenix Suns, next team on the list. Chris Paul hurts his shoulder in game one against the Lakers. He's battling that the whole series. COVID protocol, games one and two of the Western Conference Finals, he's out. Ever since he's been back, he has not looked as good or as effective as he was in the Denver series. Uh, Devin Booker breaks his nose in the Western Conference Finals. Pat Beverly headbutts him. He has not looked as good, especially in games three and four of that series when he's wearing the mask and he's not shooting and performing on offense at the same level we've come to expect from him. These are all part of the narrative. Uh, the last team that I'll reference, the Denver Nuggets, which going to the playoffs, we already knew. Jamal Murray, uh, their second best player, dude who lit the NBA on fire last year in the playoffs, outstanding scoring performances against the Jazz and the Clippers and against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. He blows his knee out with a month and change to go in the regular season, uh, and that's a big part of the Nuggets story. And they were able to win first round against the Nuggets and get swept by Phoenix, and now they're sitting at home going, man, what could have been if we had had a fully healthy roster? And that's the story of this year, because all of these teams, the ones that are in the playoffs and the ones that are out, they're sitting there going, if we just had injury luck on our side, this year is our year. It's wide open for the taking. Literally every single one of these teams I just mentioned is sitting there going, we would be the championship favorites if we had a fully healthy roster. Uh, and instead, what we've seen is the exact opposite. So we'll go back to May 28th when I recorded that first episode, playoff luck is injury luck. And I assumed the worst was done. But as we're finding out over the course of the last month and change, uh, this year, once the ball starts rolling, it apparently does not stop. So now we arrive at the Eastern Conference Finals in this game four last night. 
And going in, we know Trey Young has rolled his ankle in game three. Trey Young, the just the breakout star of the playoffs, in my opinion. And just a total fluke at the end of game three, uh, about eight minutes to go in that fourth quarter. It's an awesome game, neck and neck. And he takes a little step back, and there's a ref standing there on out of bounds, and he rolls his ankle. Ankle touches the ground. I see it on replay, and I go, oh, no, is it going to be one of these? Another Mitchell, another LeBron. Uh, go down the list of all these people who've hurt their ankles this year and had to play an enormous role in their team's futures. Is that what this is going to be? So he goes back to the locker room, comes back, finishes the game out, doesn't look as effective as he was. Now we have a big injury mark or injury question mark hovering over game four. Earlier in the day yesterday, Trey Young, he ain't going to play. That's what we find out, which sucks. It's a bummer because the series has been very compelling up until that point and even after last night in a much different way. But games one and three of the series, awesome. Back and forth basketball games, high-level performances from your stars. Trey Young's going off. Giannis is going off. Middleton's going off. Just enjoyable basketball in a way that I wasn't fully expecting from the series. Trey Young, he's been this star bursting onto the scene. He carries Atlanta through these awesome uh, playoff victories over the Knicks in round one. He's doing the whole villain. He's shushing the crowd. He's bombing threes from half court, seemingly. And then against Philly in round two, he's doing the same thing. He's carrying his team to a seven-game victory over a a heavy favorite. And he's doing this in a very unique manner, which I love. I'm always into that in every facet of life. Uh, I'm attracted to people who are unique in, in the world. I like being around them. I like interacting with them. It's a big draw for me. Ability to think outside the box, perform in your chosen profession in a way that is contrary to how every professional in your field performs. I just like that. It's interesting to me. And Trey Young on the offensive side of the ball is really that. Uh, And a light has really been shined upon that as these playoffs has gone along in 2021, uh, especially in one specific area. His ability to get into the key and to make a decision between two options that he is as good as anybody in the NBA at. Hitting a floater or throwing an alley-oop lob. I want to read a couple things from Kurt Goldsberry of ESPN when it comes to Trey Young and that unique relationship he has with the floater and with the alley-oop. When he arrived in the league, he was known for his long-range shooting prowess. While deep threes are still an important part of his game, His definitive moves might actually come inside the arc, where his floaters and his lobs have both become cornerstones of his awesome offensive foundation. When Young gets going downhill off a high ball screen, he turns into one of the scariest playmakers in the league, in part because he's able to put defenses into a helpless pick-your-poison predicament. Even though he's one of the smallest rotation players in the playoffs at just 6'1 and 180 pounds, Young is terrifying in the paint. His floater is one big reason why. Then he goes on to say, In just his third season, Young has become the NBA's most prolific user of the floater. This season, Young converted 45.6% of a league-leading 252 attempts. Nobody else in the league crossed the 200-attempt mark. But his reliance on the shot has increased even further in the postseason, up from 4.0 attempts per game to 5.5 in the playoffs. Since the league began tracking these shots, no single player has ever attempted nearly as many of them in a single postseason as Young has this year. End quote. 
So in addition to this, Goldsberry has a stat that he's not only this high-volume, incredibly efficient floater, but in the last 25 years, Young has thrown the most single-season alley-oop assists in the NBA with 151, more than any player in the last 25 years. So that's part of what makes all of this such a bummer because I've found this new appreciation for Trey Young I did not have at the start of this playoffs. And I've really enjoyed dipping into this specific aspect of his game, uh, this incredible offensive arsenal. He can bomb from deep. He can hurt you in the key. Uh, and this well-tuned uh, machine that Atlanta has become on offense within the playoffs that has been really a revelation and a joy to watch for me as a basketball fan where the pieces have fallen into place. Everybody's role is clearly defined, which is vastly important. And because of this situation that has been expanded compared to years past, we're now seeing an, an offensive juggernaut that is awesome. Trey Young is the orchestrator. Clint Capella and John Collins is the role men who are just catching these lobs that seem like they're 15 feet above the rim and dunking them. And it's awesome. And then Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter as the spacers and the secondary creators. When the defense gets shifting and Young gets to one of them, they can either bomb away at a very high clip or they can start driving and dishing in their own right. It's been a really fun part of these playoffs, the Atlanta Hawks offense, in a way that I never could have predicted or expected going in. So when Trey Young is ruled out with injury for game four, I go, damn, this is another one of these things in these playoffs. That just, they've continued to pile up. And they suck for these teams' championship chases. And they also suck for fans. Because I want to watch the very best players play in the most pressure-packed moments. And perform at a level that we saw Trey Young perform in Gay 1 of the series. When he's dropping 40-plus points. And he's doing it in a variety of ways. And it's just really fun to watch. Now, going into last night's game, I would say an additional part of this is everything that the Hawks do on offense is predicated on Young which, again, this is a big part of why it seemed like this was such a bummer because this series has been competitive. And my opinion going into the game was uh, in the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers have Paul George to lean on with Kawhi out. He can approximate that role. I don't know how the Hawks are going to approximate this role that Trey Young uh, performs in because it's so unique and singular to his skill set. As it turns out, at least for game four, that's a total whiff on my part. Because one of the interesting things of this game is that the Hawks adjust. They start Lou Williams in his place. Very different player, but one who performs admirably in the way that he can perform, scoring the basketball. And we see this inspired effort from a bunch of different sources. Bogdan Bogdanovich, he has his best game of this series. A dude who's been battling a knee injury in his own right and his look hampered compared to what he was in the last two rounds. And last night, he was the Bogdanovich, or at least similar to the Bogdanovich that we'd seen. Cold-blooded, drilling threes, screaming, pound on his chest, all the stuff that has made him very enjoyable to watch within this Atlanta Hawks run. Kevin Herter, uh, again with Bogdanovich, asked to be more of a primary scorer and creator. And last night, he does that phenomenally well. Cam Reddish, they dust him off the bench. He comes out and he's playing minutes and performing awesome as a defender and getting in people's grills, forcing Middleton into tough stuff uh, in a way that he didn't have to do in game three as he was just lighting the Hawks on fire in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, and then Clint Capella, who
who I bet the under on, assuming without Trey Young, it's going to be really hard for him to make an impact because a lot of what he does, actually 90% of what he does on offense is predicated on I screen, I roll, and Young can find me when I'm the one who's open and I'll get 10 points a game simply off of this play. And instead, he doesn't have that, but he still battles. He rebounds, he's active around the basket, he gets points, and he does stuff and helps Atlanta put together a performance that is, it taps into that word yesterday that I referenced the Clippers as, resilient. Uh, These playoffs, as much as they are about injuries, and that's at times seems like what they're all about, the opposite side of that is, okay, when injuries strike, how do you respond? Like this resilient part of your soul that you have to tap into as a player and as a team. How do you respond in the hardest of circumstances? Your star is out. You're a team that is so reliant upon him on offense. How do you respond? Can you respond? Last night, we see that from the Hawks uh, in a really cool way. And so they end up winning going away uh, by 22 points. But within this game, we have another enormous, enormous, enormous bummer. That happens when the Hawks are up 10 points in the third quarter. And it ties into the theme of the entire playoffs and this episode. Playoff luck is injury luck. So the Hawks are up 62-52. Giannis and Clint Capella go up for a rebound. Giannis comes down, hyperextends his leg, and it looks very, very bad. He's down on the ground, rolling around. At first, I don't fully realize it because the camera's panning away and now they stop play. And the announcers are going, oh, no, Giannis is down. Let's see what this looks like. It goes to replay. I'm sure everybody who watched the game did the same thing that I did at home. I see the replay as his knee buckles and moves the opposite way. And I go, oh, no. Just your first thought is always ACL injury. Um, As of this recording, we don't know the severity of it. By the time you all are listening or watching, we probably will know. We'll have a better gauge on what that injury actually is. Uh, For the time being, it seems unlikely that Giannis is going to play again in this series. Which is an enormous bummer. Um, And it's hard to put into words just this continual pileup of injuries, how disappointing and sad it is to watch as a fan. Because again... On the one hand, I want to watch the very best players play basketball in these really high leverage moments. And on the other hand, I just feel for the players who are injured and fans of this team who, again, this year, more than any year, man, that door is wide open for a championship. And the Bucks, who have they've tried to clear all these hurdles as a championship contender within this Giannis, area, or Giannis era, this year it seemed like things are aligning. And I love everything about that story, the story of Giannis and the story of this team. Um, Trying to jump through these hurdles, falling, trying to jump through the next year's hurdle, falling, and then getting to this year and go, okay, this is the best opportunity we have at a championship yet. And now you're watching a seemingly end to this chapter with Giannis writhing around on the floor, uh, which is going to severely hamper Milwaukee's chances of winning a title. I want to read a quote from Jeff Schultz of The Athletic when it comes to just all of this, uh, the injuries, the resiliency required for the people who remain. There's a possibility that neither Young nor Antetokounmpo will play the rest of the series. 
A bone bruise in the foot and a hyperextended knee are not generally quick-healing injuries. So which team has proven to be better at overcoming adversity? Which coach has pushed buttons better? Which team has proven to have more depth? When superstar caliber guys go out, you put some other guys in the game and their eyes are this wide and they're like, this is a great opportunity for me to show and prove my abilities, Lou Williams said. You don't want to be the guys that let them off the hook because Giannis was off the floor. An hour before the game, McMillan told Williams he would start and Chris Dunn would back him up. So the Hawks would start a player who considered retiring rather than play for a team he wasn't familiar with, even if in his hometown, and his, and his backup would be a player who played four games during the regular season and until mop-up time in Game 3, only four minutes in the playoffs. End quote. So now it's, it's just boiling down to two stories. This series, the other series, all the series, essentially. Uh, the war of attrition intensifies. The two biggest stars in the Eastern Conference Finals, currently out. Trey Young, Giannis. Two dudes you want to watch play basketball. Um, I was under the mistaken idea or impression that when I recorded on March or on May 28th, the episode of Playoff Luck is Injury Luck, that things would get better. Uh, or at the very least, they couldn't get worse. And that was a very wrong assumption because it's only gotten worse. It's only intensified. Um, these conference finals, they're turning into a literal last man standing battle that is putting the onus on these depth pieces and coaching to cobble together whatever the hell you can out of whatever remains. The Clippers, Kawhi's gone. What can you do without him? Uh, oh, game five, Zubats is gone. What can you do without him? Serge Ibaka, he hasn't even been here. What can you do without him? Phoenix Suns, uh, Chris Paul, he's gone for the first two games. Uh, now he's back. Oh, Devin Booker's nose is broken. All right, how can we adjust with that? Atlanta Hawks, uh, the fulcrum of your offense, Trey Young, he's out. What can you do there? Uh, DeAndre Hunter, one of your best supporting pieces. He's been out for the playoffs. He's gone. Oh, Bogdanovich, he's playing on a hampered knee. What can you do there? And then the new twist. Uh, the one that, as much as all of these, just sucks to watch. Milwaukee Bucks, who up until last night, relatively speaking, the healthiest team in the playoffs. Only Dante DiVincenzo was out. And then Giannis goes down. And the Bucks are left going, how do we fill this void left by a two-time MVP that provides so much for our team? On the offensive side, as an attacker, as a role man, as just a gravitational force at the rim, and on the defensive side, as just kind of the exact same thing. Covers up the warts and the mistakes of others. Great rebounder, a great individual defender, and just a dude with ability and arms to affect almost everything on that side of the ball. So uh, I'll wrap up the episode because, again, this stuff is just, it's kind of a bummer. Um, and it's always said that good health is a key piece to winning a championship. And this year in the NBA, it might be the only piece. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. 
If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find Noballer.